Gospels with you tonight, would you open them please to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. On Sunday night we're beginning a brand new sermon series that will probably take us through the entire year. It's called The Patriarchs. And we're going to be looking at the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph in the weeks to come. And we're going to begin tonight with Abraham. Abraham, Genesis chapter 11. And we'll start reading with verse 31. And then we're going to read through chapter 12, verse 3. And our Bible reads in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, And Terah took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and then Terah died in Haran. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, or Abram as he's called at this point, Get you out of the country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make thy name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The title of our message is When God Calls. If there be a hall of fame in heaven, all of the hall of famers that's name is in the heaven's hall of fame all have one thing in common at least. God called them and they responded to God's call. Think about that. Everyone in God's Hall of Fame, past, present, future, will have at least one thing in common. God called them. And they heard the call and they responded to the call as God asked of them. As we begin to look at the life of Abraham, God has called Abraham. It's a fourfold call initially. Abraham, sell your home, pack up your belongings, gather your family and move out to another land. A land that will be a thousand miles away, by the way. Now imagine that. Sell your home, pack up your belongings, gather your family, and move to a place a thousand miles away. How did Abraham respond? Like we do, he asked a bunch of questions. Why? God said you'll see. How? God said you'll see. Where? God said you'll see. What? God said you'll see. <laughs> when? God said you'll see. 
How much? God said you'll see. God does answer us, doesn't he? He answered every question Abraham asked. He said, you'll see. I don't want you to figure me out, Abraham. I just want you to trust me and do what I tell you to do. And so Abraham says, yes, sir. And he does what God asked him to do, as strange as the request might be. And his journey begins. And what a journey it will be. Tonight, as we consider the call of God on Abraham, I want to remind you, God has a call on our lives, too. And when God calls, I pray you and I would respond. It could be a call to salvation. It could be a call to sanctification, a more holier life. It could be a call to a greater service. But I'm telling you tonight, God's still in the calling business. The problem is we don't always listen. Three things I want to lay on your heart real quick tonight. First of all, the causes of God's call. Why did God call Abraham? Now I want to remind you that Abraham's a senior citizen at this point. He's 75 years old. He's just retired. He's ready to relax and to rest. He's ready to go fishing. He's ready to go to the barber shop and play checkers. He's anticipating doing things with his grandchildren. He's looking forward to catching up with friendships that have been neglected, fixing things around the house that have been in disarray a long time. I mean, he's got a busy list of things he wants to do as a retired man. And all of a sudden, God busts into his retirement party. And God says, Abraham, I'm calling you back to active duty. Wow. Why did God call Abraham? Why would God say, I want to take you out of retirement and put you back into active duty, back on the front lines? Why did God do that? May I suggest, first of all, it was because Abraham was saved. Think about that. God has a right to intrude into our lives, if you want to use that word, if we be saved. Now, we know Abraham knew the Lord. How did he come to know the Lord? Was it the influence of a godly mother like Timothy? Was it a vision of the Lord Jesus like Paul had on the Damascus Road? Was it an understanding, a divine revelation of understanding of God that Nicodemus received? I don't know. But I know this. Abraham was a saved man. How did he get saved? Because he put his faith in the Lamb of God and repented of his sins. You see, people got saved in the Old Testament just like people get saved in the New Testament. Salvation has never changed. In the Old Testament, it was, a, it was faith 
in the Lamb of God who was to come. It was a faith in the backside of the cross. That's all they knew. In the New Testament, we're saved by the Lamb of God who has come. He's already come now, and we're saved by looking at the front side of the cross. But salvation is always by faith. Always in conjunction with the repentance of sin. And when God saves a man, God owns the man. Because you were saved with a price. Didn't cost you anything, cost God everything. So when you get saved, God owns you. He owns me. And when God takes our sins away and forgives us, He also takes our life away from us, and He now controls it. So why did God choose Abraham? Because Abraham was saved, and God owns Abraham. And He owns you and I too, by the way. And then God had plans. God had plans for Abraham. He wanted to use Abraham to establish a new nation and a new people for that new nation. It is through Abraham that the nation of Israel will be born. It's through Abraham that the people we call the Jewish people would come forth. Abraham would be the father of the nation of Israel. He would be the father of the Jewish people. And God would use the nation of Israel and the Jewish people to bring forth what? Or better said, bring forth who? The Messiah. So God chose Abraham because he was saved, and God can choose anyone who's saved because he owns those he saves. God has a special purpose in calling Abraham. He wanted to use him to establish a nation and a people from which the Lamb of God, the final Passover Lamb, would come. His name, Christ Jesus, as we talked about this morning. God also chose Abraham because God wanted to do something different with Abraham. You know, we have a tendency to coast a little bit, don't we? And the older we get, the greater that tendency is just to kind of put your hands behind the back of your head. Put your neck back. Kick up your feet. And I'm going to finish out the Christian life heading downhill. And God says, no, you're not. You see, God wanted to do something new and fresh in the life of Abraham. And he knew in order to do that, he was going to have to move Abraham. See, Abraham was used to the noise of the city. God says, I'm going to take you to the quietness of the desert. Abraham was used to crowds. God said, I'm taking you to solitude. Abraham was used to distractions, neon lights, stores, businesses, commerce, recreation. And God says, I'm changing your focus. Abraham was working for the Lord. God says to Abraham, I'm going to teach you something about the Lord of the work. 
Abraham was used to being still, that he could know God. And God says, Abraham, I'm changing that too. I'm going to take you and put you apart. And I'm going to speak to you there. Abraham, you want to be ordinary, but I'm going to make you extraordinary. You want to be natural, but I'm going to make you supernatural. You're satisfied with mediocrity, but I'm going to make you great. You just want to be on the team, Abraham. I'm going to make you the ticket. You see, God calls us for different reasons. He calls us because he can call us. He saved us. He calls us because he wants us to be a light, a vehicle perhaps, to bring the Messiah to somebody else. He calls us because he wants to do something different with us, far beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. God is working toward that in our lives. Wow. I believe there's defining moments in every person's life when God crosses our path on the journey of life, on the journey of faith. He crisscrosses with us. And he gives us an opportunity to grow in a way that we could never grow otherwise. He gives us a chance to be transformed by him. Think right now in your own life. Think right now. Can you remember any defining moments in your life that really made who you are? Brought you to salvation. Brought you to a greater sanctification. Brought you to a greater service. Took you out of a lull. Took you out of a place where you were just coasting, and God transformed your life. Every great man and woman of God has defining moments where clearly God stepped in and did something that only God could have done. And this is that for Abraham. God invades Abraham's world and calls him to a work. Now I want you to think not only about the cause of Abraham's calling, but I want you to think with me about the cost of it. Because when God calls a man or woman, there is a cost involved, you understand. What did it cost Abraham? When God said to him, leave, pack up your belongings, gather your family, and head that way, and just keep walking. What did it cost him? What does it cost us when God calls us, perhaps? It cost Abraham his comfort. His comfort. Remember, he's 75 years old. He's ready to retire. And God barges in on the retirement party and gives him a toast and says, come with me. 
It cost him his comfort. You see, Abraham was used to cushioned pews and velvet crosses. He was accustomed to giving God three hours a week of worship, a 10% tithe, one hour a month for a committee meeting, and an occasional work day every now and then. Abraham's Christianity up until this point has been cheap and easy, carefree and casual, convenient and comfortable. Abraham has been a soldier of the cross, but he's been on furlough, R&R. And the hardest job for him so far has been singing all the stanzas to onward Christian soldiers. God says, Abraham, things are about to change. I'm going to take you from peacetime inactivity to the war zone. Full-time active service. Those of you who have served in war know that war is hard and hurtful and hellish. Abraham, you're leaving peacetime inactivity. And you're going to go with where I tell you to go. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You are going to engage an enemy in combat. I am going to use you to further my cause on the battlefield of faith. You say yes to God, it's going to cost you something, ladies and gentlemen. It'll cost you your comfort. Because you're going to have to go to war against the enemy that's going to try to stop God's calling on your life. The flesh will say retreat. The world will say change sides. The devil will say surrender. And God will say press on. You're not fighting for the victory, you're fighting in the victory. There's a big difference. Someone has wisely said, I would rather walk with God in the battle than walk alone without God in the peace. One of the great missionaries of all time was a gentleman by the name of C.T. Studd. He was a well-educated young man. He was a filthy, rich young man. He was a handsome young man. His parents and his family had mapped out his life for him. He had a free ticket through athletics to become a great athlete, to make more money than he would ever spend in ten lifetimes, and to have everything that money can buy you. Wine, women, and song. But C.T. Studd heard Dwight L. Moody preach. And this American with bad grammar, bad pronunciation, but the power of God was all over his life, spoke into the ears of C.T. Studd. He walked away from his family. He walked away from his education. He walked away from his money. He walked away from his athletic abilities. 
And he went to serve the Lord on the mission field. And you know what his motto was, C.T. Studs? Faithful to death. You see, that was a defining moment for him. He had to leave his comfort zone, his world, to go to an uncomfortable place that God would have him to be. And then lastly tonight, we've looked at the causes of God's call on Abraham's life. God has a right to do that. We looked at the cost. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you primarily your comfort. We like to be comfortable, don't we? That's why we have to pad the pews on the seat and the back. If we only padded one or the other, you'd gripe. Why we have to get you out at a reasonable time. We go over time, you get antsy. Say, Pastor, how do you know? Because I can see you. They say Baptists don't dance, but they do dance. They dance in their seat. They got, they're, they're twisting away, chubby checkering. Y'all ready to go in an hour. See, we're used to comfort. The heat goes out, everybody comes to Keith. Air conditioning comes out, and everybody comes to Keith. That's what we're used to. And God says, listen, I can't do anything with you in your comfort zone. So God will move us out. He'll push us out of the nest, so to speak. And it costs us our comfort. And then lastly tonight, what's the compensation of God's call? God comes to us, and he says, I want to use you, you. Not the person in front of you, not the person behind you, not the person to the left of you, not the person to the right of you. Look in the mirror, I want to use you. I don't care if you're a senior citizen, I don't care if you're a teenager, I don't care if you're somewhere in between. I don't care if you're educated. I don't care if you're a dumbbell. I don't care if you got a pretty face. I don't care if you got an ugly face. I don't care if you got money. I don't care if you broke as a church mouse. I want to use you. Answer the call. What do you want me to do, Lord? Don't worry about what I want you to do. Just say, here I am, reporting for duty. And God will then begin to work it out for you as he worked it out for Abraham. Did Abraham understand it all when he said, yes, sir, I'll do it? I don't think so. If you can see it, it's not faith, is it? The just shall walk by sight, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, I'm glad you guys know the difference. The just shall walk by faith. Faith is just the opposite of sight. Faith says, I can see, therefore I'll go. Faith says, I can't see, but I'll go anyway. But what's the compensation as I close? What did Abraham receive from God when he answered the call, was willing to give up his comfort to go in service to God? 
Well, Abraham gave a teaspoonful of himself. But God gave Abraham a bulldozer full of blessings. That's a pretty good trade, ain't it? Because whenever God calls you and die, it's not about what we're giving up. It's about what we're going to receive. God is a good and gracious and merciful God, and he gives. Well, what did he give Abraham, Pastor? Glad you asked. Let me tell you. He gave Abraham his friendship. You know, in the Bible, Abraham is called a friend of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful if a hundred years from now somebody could write about me, Jim Palmer was a friend of God, Norman Fortier was a friend of God, your name, you were a friend of God. God gave Abraham his friendship. Abraham saw God, heard from God, and experienced God as very few men have ever experienced him, heard him, or saw him. Wow. You like to see God in a way that nobody else has ever seen? Would you like to hear from God in a way that very few people ever hear from him? Would you like to experience the presence and power of God and peace of God working in your life? Say yes to God, and he'll give you his friendship. But he also gave Abraham great influence. Abraham became a man of great influence. I don't know how much influence he had up to the first 75 years. But I can tell you from 75 until the day he died, God gave him great influence over the world of his day and the world that would come. No, Abraham couldn't preach like Amos. He couldn't rule like David. He couldn't write like Solomon. He couldn't lead like Moses. He couldn't fight like Joshua. But do you know Abraham? His life had so much influence that thousands of years later, James and Paul would read about Abraham and they would figure out what justification by faith really means. Where do you think they learned it from? They learned it from studying the life of Abraham. That God rewards those who are faithful, but faith without works is dead. They were able to put it together through the life of Abraham. Abraham was rewarded with God calling him a friend, with the influence that he would exert that would go far beyond his life, far beyond the old covenant, even to the new covenant. God would honor Abraham by putting him in the hall of fame that I spoke of earlier. Say, Pastor, do you really believe there's a hall of fame in heaven? I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. But why wouldn't there be? We have in Cooperstown, New York, a baseball hall of fame. In Canton, Ohio, we got a football hall of fame. In Cleveland, Ohio, we got a rock and roll hall of fame. If there's hall of fames down here to recognize people for greatness, 
Do you not think God has such in heaven? One day if we tour that hall of fame, we'll see the saints of all the ages. We'll see some that we know and we'll see some that we don't know. We'll see some who did large things. We'll see some who did small things. We'll we'll see some who did everything on the platform. You could always see them. And we'll see others who did nothing but behind-the-scenes work, and God saw them. We'll see deacons who were faithful deacons. We'll see Sunday school teachers who were faithful to the class that God gave them. We'll see custodians who cleaned their church, and nobody ever paid them any attention, but they did a work for God, and God saw what they did. We'll see ladies who served in the nursery for many years, holding little babies, singing to them, Jesus loves them. And those little ears heard that. And those little boys and girls that were rocked to Jesus loved me grew up and Jesus loved them and they loved Jesus and they did great things for the Lord. You see, when we think of Hall of Famers, we think of the big shots. But I'm telling you, Hall of Fames have a lot of little shots who were faithful to do what God called them to do. They did it well. And Abraham, he's in God's Hall of Fame. In closing, Chuck Connor and John Wayne. Y'all heard of them before? Chuck Connor, better known for the Rifleman, also had a show called Branded. Do you remember that show? He was a cavalryman, and he was accused of dishonorable conduct in a battle that took place. He was accused of running instead of fighting, choosing to save his own hide rather than stay and fight with his men. And for that, he was branded. The show starts out with him standing in line in his uniform, with all of his paraphernalia on the uniform, and his superior comes up to him and rips it all off him and breaks his sword and sends him away in disgrace. Branded, scorned as the one who ran. What do you do when you're branded and you know you're a man? And he spends his entire TV career in that series called Branded trying to prove his innocence. May I suggest there will be some saints who will stand before the commander-in-chief, our superior, one day. And he's going to take our uniforms and tear them off. Take all the earthly paraphernalia that was put on us and take it off. And we're going to hang our head in shame because we could have been so much more, and we weren't. But there's another show that came on, and this one starred John Wayne. It was actually a movie. It was called The Searchers. Do you all remember that one? The Searchers. And in this movie, John Wayne is a Texas Ranger. The Duke is a Texas Ranger. 
And he is rewarded in this movie. He's awarded in this movie decorations for heroism and valor and bravery in combat. Let me ask you a question. Who would you rather be? Chuck Connor on Branded, shamed and embarrassed for not serving his fellow man as he should? Or John Wayne in The Searchers, who was honored for heroism and valor and bravery in battle as a Texas Ranger? Because one day we're going to be one or the other. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Receive my rewards. Not so well done, my unfaithful servant. Let me strip you of your rewards. What will it be? May I submit to you how we answer the call has a lot to do with what that will be. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.